Today, I'm talking with Daniel Bauer, who is an unorthodox ruckus maker. He has mentored thousands of school leaders through his Better Lessons, Better Schools blog, books, podcasts, and powerful coaching experiences. His newest book, Mastermind, Unlocking Talent Within Every School Leader, is one we're talking about in this episode today. It's a book that reimagines what professional development for school administrators looks like in order to meet the needs of all school leaders who currently feel isolated and overwhelmed. And he's giving our listeners a free chapter to the book, which you can get at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash free chapter. Let's dive into the episode. I'm Lindsay Lyons, and I love helping school communities envision bold possibilities, take brave action to make those dreams a reality, and sustain an inclusive, anti-racist culture where all students thrive. I'm a former teacher leader turned instructional coach, educational consultant, and leadership scholar. If you're a leader in the education world, whether you're a principal, superintendent, instructional coach, or a classroom teacher excited about school-wide change like I was, you are a leader. And if you enjoy nerding out about the latest educational books and podcasts, if you're committed to a lifelong journey of learning and growth and being the best version of yourself, you're going to love the Time for Teachership podcast. Let's dive in. Danny Bauer, welcome to the Time for a Teachership podcast. Lindsay, thank you so much for having me. This is great. This is going to be so fun. Do you want to introduce yourself beyond the professional bio that I just read at the top of the episode? The only thing I'm thinking about these days, you know, I, I call myself an unorthodox uh, ruckus maker, a leadership coach, and I've been thinking a lot about my personal values recently. And uh, one, one that I created that I really like the, the sound of is that I'm a sponge that scales, right? Because at like a sponge, you know, I just love learning. I've always loved learning. And I wanted to be a professor growing up, uh, probably because the autonomy, what I see is autonomy and schedule, office hours, that kind of stuff. Love to read, love to research and write. And um I'm a professor now, right? But like, but I don't work at a university. My university is Better Leaders, Better School. And so uh, I call myself a sponge that scales because I still do the professor work, right? I invest in myself. I learn a bunch of stuff and I teach it to others, which I think is what creates a lot of value for the leaders I work with. And uh, since I continue to do that for myself, that, that, that makes the value I create for others like exponentially better, if that makes sense. So there's that sponge that's growing, growing, growing. And I've just realized like that's actually a superpower. So that's value of mine now. That's awesome. And as a person who's in one of your masterminds, I can definitely say that your learning and your dedication to continuously learning on your own really enables the mastermind to grow and thrive because you're constantly bringing in new stuff and, and thinking about new things yourself in order for us to think about new things in, in our own contexts. Thanks for that. Appreciate yeah, it. Of course. So the first question I usually start with is in line with the idea of freedom dreaming, which Dr. Bettina Love describes as dreams grounded in the critique of injustice. What is the big dream you hold for the field of education? Yeah. A place where, uh, you know, I think for, for education where everybody can have access to a, a free and high quality experience right you know I dedicate I told my mom uh, a long time ago one I would never work in a cubicle (laughs) 
And then two, I wouldn't work in the suburbs, you know, that, and that was just a choice I made in, uh, in, I guess when I define suburbs, like suburbs where I, where I grew up, which was Palatine, Illinois, uh, you know, we were, we we're doing fine in middle-class family, you know, but have plenty of privilege as a, as a white male and a white family. And, um, you know, a real quick story is that I saw diversity in the school during PE class or when I played sports, but what was weird and I didn't, you know, I just didn't even think of it right as a kid, like where did, where did students who didn't look like me go during class? Cause they weren't in my classes, Lindsay, they were in the school, they were somewhere. Now, as I, I've grown up, right. And been an educator, I know about tracking and all these things that we do to sort of sort and sift, you know, through the students, but the, the biggest thing would be access to a high quality, free, you know, education. And I would change or at least make it equitable, like how schools are funded for sure. Yeah. Pointing to a lot of the systemic things, right. That, that are happening. Yeah. 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 And so in terms of, of leaders and leadership in that education field, trying to do what they can to address some of those systems and structures that historically have been really inequitable and often in many cases today continue to be what do you think are the mindset shifts that are required for leaders specifically to buy into that dream of everyone having access to this high quality education and addressing, I think I'm assuming here, but I think part of that requires them to address some of those systemic inequalities and to do things differently. Yeah. You know, we, we, um, in the school leader mastermind I run, we just finished a book as a time of this recording called uh, the person you need, you mean to be. And in that book, um, the author talks about one, it was really interesting how she uh, framed growth mindset. I've never heard growth mindset used with the lens of like unconscious bias, but it makes a lot of sense, right? If you're not taking things personally, uh, you can learn from your mistakes. You, you'll never probably eradicate all bias, but you'll become less and less biased or at least be aware of it, be able to own it, apologize, change, you know, that kind of thing. Um, the other interesting idea is that she talked about the 20-80-20. So 20% of people are going to be super open, hungry, wanting to fight for justice and dismantle inequitable systems. 20% of people will actively resist that, right? Or think that it's wrong. And we see that in states that are uh, making it illegal to teach that, you know, We've done bad stuff in our country and it's been super racist too, right? So like critical race theory being uh, uh, outlawed is, is um, a symptom of that. And then there's 80% of people who are just, they're open, they're malleable, right? They can be influenced. And, uh, and the big idea that I got from the book is that a lot of times they're quiet. So whether that's in your social feed, right? Or within your faculty, know that when you are talking about this kind of work, you know, the majority of people, 80% are watching how you handle it. And even though they might not say, yeah, I'm all for this, right? Or I'm totally against it. And here's why those other people are influenceable. Is that a word? You can influence them. And they're just trying to see how you respond in these uh, difficult conversations that need to be had. So I share all that to say, um, thinking about like, for me, I'm going to work with leaders that obviously are open-minded to this stuff that they don't need to be convinced. 
or, or you know, they're, they're willing to learn, right? But if they're actively resisting or they're, you know, telling me why X, Y, and Z are wrong, I'm not going to get in an argument about it. That's fine. You're, you, you, you can have your own opinion, but I'm just not going to waste my time or energy on folks like that. Yeah, that makes sense, especially as you know, we, we have a limited source of energy ourselves as coaches, right. And as leaders. And so figuring out where you're going to get the biggest results for our kids, for our school system is really important to be able to narrow that down. So I really appreciate that. Um, in terms of, and I know you will talk a lot about your, your book on this episode, but in terms of like the action steps that people would want to take, um, as a leader, how do leaders, um, you know, grow their own capacity to be able to do that, to be able to coach others, to be able to um, address inequity and all, all the things that we've been talking about, you know, what, what are those steps that you would recommend to a leader who's excited to do the work, but maybe not sure where to start? Well, pick up that book I mentioned, right? Read the person you mean to be. And it has a, a bunch of just, uh, it teaches through narrative, right? Through story. And that's how we learn. So I love that aspect of the book because it was so accessible. The other thing the author did that was so savvy is that she admitted her mistakes and where she did racist or biased stuff as a person of color. And so that made it just seem like, okay, nobody's perfect, right? It's not that uh, white people are bad. Everybody has bias. And so anyways, um, that's a great book. Another one I could suggest super quick too is a a book called um, Overcoming Bias. Uh, I believe it's Overcoming Bias. Let me double check. It's that, it's that or unconscious bias, but it's by Tiffany Jawa and, um, and her uh, partner. But anyways, that, that book has a bunch of actual practical uh, activities and tools, you know, that you can use on yourself as a leader or with your staff. So th- those are things. And then, I mean, there's, there's simple stuff that you can do, like just look at your discipline data, right? Like how many kids of each sort of gender, of each culture, you know, break it apart as however you want, and then look at like the actual write-ups that you get, and does it sort of match up, or is there a disproportionate, you know, grouping of normally it's black males, you know, in most schools, uh, and just look at who has access to your best classes and that kind of thing, and make sure that you're opening doors for that, and then uh, providing support for all students so that they can be successful in the most uh, rigorous classes. So those are some, you know, very easy, I think, and simple things you could do. I love that. And I think one of the things that was really profound, and I love that you're sharing other people's books right now. You're, you're so humble and sharing all these other books. You have just written a book that I think by the time we release this, will be out called Masterminds Unlocking Talent Within Every School Leader. And in reading the introduction, I found it really striking that you started with the fact that leader retention particularly in high school settings is abysmal, but coaching programs for leaders can actually improve that trend. And I think that knowing what you do, being a part of the mastermind myself, I think this is so entwined, uh, intertwined with, you know, what you're doing with your mastermind group. And so can you say more about, you know, the importance of coaching for leaders? Yeah, you know, there, there was some crazy statistics. I could share them super fast. I got them pulled up. But basically, NAESP and the Leadership Institute um, did a study. It's 407 elementary principals, but we can generalize the results, you know, I think to, to principals in secondary settings and across the nation, probably the world. But 32% of the 407 spent time 
uh, sharing leadership practices with peers three or more times in the past two years. Only 23% had access to a mentor or coach in the past two years. And if uh, leaders worked in a high poverty school, uh, that was only 10%. And only 56% participated in a PLC three or more times in the past two years. So those, those statistics are absolutely bonkers, right? Like uh, imagine going to a doctor, to a dentist, I don't know, physical therapist, but any, any work, right, that you need done on your body. And if you knew that your professional, right, that's going to work on you was not collaborating and growing or working with a coach or peers multiple times throughout the year, right, let alone just twice or three times in the last two years, you probably wouldn't go to that professional. So I think it's indicative of some of the problems that we see or the challenges uh, within, within um, leadership development. And so, yeah, obviously it's like, wow, well, if we started providing mentorship and coaching or some sort of group, uh, yeah, whatever, that, that obviously people are going to grow. So it's just about support, you know, at the end of the day, it's just supporting people so that they can be the best that they want to be. And this, this book too is based on that support right? and a very unique, I think, uh, particularly for the field of educational leadership approach to coaching leaders who are leading school or, or, or district um, contexts. And so do you mind sharing a little bit about you know, the mastermind, the mastermind that you've created, that you've facilitated countless times um, yeah. and kind of what's behind that? Sure, sure. I want to talk to real quick, super fast about some of the challenges that leaders uh, say they face, because also from that same study, uh, the majority of principals said that they lack time. That was number one, uh, insufficient building coverage or not enough money. Those are the top three like obstacles. Lack of time, you know, I guess like, I mean, here's the thing in terms of what I do, right? It's one hour a week. Or if you hire yourself a coach, right? You don't have to work with me and what I do or me as a coach, get yourself a coach. But the point is like committing to one hour a week or one hour every other week, you can make time for that. And I have a motto that I live out by everybody wins when you get better, Lindsay, right? And so you owe it to your community to do that too. Building coverage is not an issue because at least for my community stuff, it's all done out of school hours. And it's, we've been playing on Zoom since 2015. So it's super convenient. Um, the, the pandemic and transitioning school was not easy for our leaders, but they felt prepared. And so that was kind of neat in the sense that we didn't know we were getting ready for that, but we, we totally were. And then not enough money, you know, people get creative. If, if they want a new iPhone, they get it. And that's about a thousand bucks, right? Like, and they just make it happen. So I find money to be relative. You know, you, you, you buy a used car, maybe you pay cash, you get a new car, maybe you get out, take out a loan, but a person in a different financial situation could buy the car you get with a loan in cash, right? Money is, money is completely relative. And so getting creative, whether you fund it personally, uh, use title two funds, or maybe you have a PD bucket and this kind of stuff, or like ESSER funding that's available these days, like there's, there's all sorts of ways. I have people that go halfsies, right? Like half with the district, half themselves. Uh, some ask their PTA, PTO to pay for it. So I'm only highlighting those obstacles because there's a way around all of them if you want to develop yourself. 
So you're talking about a little bit, you know, like how's the mastermind work? And the story there is that the first draft of the book had a lot of great ideas. And my editor said that the organization sucked. Like that was, that was not her real words, but that's what I heard. And I was scared to tell you the truth, Lindsay. I had the imposter syndrome big time because my first book I self-published in that process, you know, as an author, you hire an editor, you hire somebody to put together the book and design it and that kind of thing. So that editor in book number one took my messy ideas and put it together in a way that flowed for me. That didn't happen working with Corwin, a more established publisher. That was on me. I was so scared. So this, this story is important to tell because the leadership tip was to create a better book. I stopped creating a better book. I stopped writing and I started walking out in nature, right? And doing a digital detox, right? I wasn't out there with listening to a podcast or inspiration. I, I was, it was really just me and my puppy and nature. And I let my mind dream because I, I, I know the mastermind works and it's special. And Derek Sivers has this quote, what's ordinary to you is extraordinary to me. So I had to figure out like, what is it inside my head that makes this place so special? So finally, I started seeing this triangle and thinking of education and like obviously the ABCs, I thought it'd be fun to noodle on that and see if I could come up with a remarkable framework. And I, and I think I did. So the ABCs of powerful professional development stand for authenticity, belonging, and challenge. And as long as you have those three components, you create a powerful professional development experience like the mastermind. So each ABC is more uh, nuanced, right? Has sub sort of categories and that kind of thing. Happy to talk about it too, but yeah, that's, a, that's from a high level, you know, how it works. Awesome. And, and can, do you mind giving a little bit of context around like in the given hour, like what is the, the frame for that hour? What do people do and engage in during that hour? And how does that connect to them improving as, as a leader? Right, right, right. So the, the frame is similar, uh, in the school leader masterminds I run actually people, uh, members rotate facilitating. And the cool thing about that in the leadership tip is that was a function of just illness. I got sick, right? And I used to lead all the meetings. Well, I couldn't go. And I'm like, oh no, what am I gonna do, right? And uh, people are investing in this experience or whatever. So I just raised my hand because I needed help. What I didn't realize is that people would really enjoy the challenge of leading other leaders, you know, in the mastermind and how that would uh, push and stretch them. So what, what was uh, innovation out of like necessity became a part of what we do every single week because it grew our leaders. And that's part of the C, that's part of the challenge, right? So that is it. Um, we share tips of the week. You know, we open in different ways to sort of set the intention. Maybe it's a poem or that kind of thing. You're familiar with a lot with uh, the win of the week. And I find just, you know, whether you're a business leader or a school leader, you just get so busy, you don't slow down and celebrate like what's going well. And so we intentionally do that. Um, we read different types of books together. I already mentioned uh, the person you mean to be. Uh, and so we'll have a quick discussion around that. Uh, sometimes we talk about the one big thing just for accountability, right? So not like the 10 million things, which every school leader loves to tell you about. 
And that doesn't take away. You got a lot to do. But what I learned from uh, uh, the One Thing book, what's the one thing I could do this week, right? That makes everything else easier or unnecessary. And I call that the ripple effect or the lead domino, which is also a personal value of mine. And anyways, so what's that one thing you can do that will have incredible return of investment throughout the week? And then finally, there's the hot seats. That, that's really outside of connecting with leaders literally around the world and instantly plugging into that powerful network. Um, you, you have the hot seat where you have a personal board of directors, right? From like four to 14, 15 other leaders. And you give quick context to a challenge or a project you're working on. And you get feedback, world-class feedback, right? From other leaders with a, with a bias for action. So they tell you, right? They share stories of success and failure. They ask you questions to, to help round out your thinking and then share tools, you know, that are going to um, assist you in being uh, effective. And so that hot seat is like, yeah, that's the secret sauce. That's amazing. And I, I know there are so many cool stories that emerge from people being on that hot seat and so many innovative oh, potential, yeah. right? There's, there's so much. And in your book, I think you do a wonderful job of capturing so many of the stories along the way of facilitating Thank masterminds. You. Yeah. I, you are an amazing storyteller. And so I'm oh, wondering, <laughs> is there, is there one story that really resonates with you that you'd want to share with the podcast audience? Yeah, man, there's, there's so many. It's like, I should probably prepare. Like, what's the one story I'm going to tell on every podcast. There's a guy, Scott, I'll just, I'll, I'll pick him. Uh, you know, I recently recorded something with him and he's been on the, the podcast a couple of times, but one thing, so mastermind, right? We attract innovative school leaders with a bias for action. And that is Scott hundred percent. And one thing I admire about him is he's always implementing, you know, John Doerr says that ideas are easy, executions, everything, you know, you, school leadership, like whatever you're trying to do, uh, unless it's flying to Mars, which, you know, space, and they've done those kind of things too. So they're iterating and figuring that out. All I'm trying to say is that it's probably not that difficult. Everything's figured outable, and it's just about consistency and taking action. Scott does that. So I, I did a school leadership series, five episodes on sticky core values. And he listened and then he did it with his school and I didn't know it. And then he let me know, hey, I did what you taught in my school and it changed everything. <laughs> it changed everything and transformed the culture. And now they were already a good school. They weren't a bad school turnaround situation. They were a good school. And I would describe, uh, you know, what they did is going from good to great, like Jim Collins would say. And he credits that shift to sticky core values that operated as these sort of like boundary markers uh, and really just clearly defined like how we behave within our organization, uh, what we want to live out, what we're even willing to be punished for, right? Because they, they mean so much. Now, yeah, so he did that, transformed the school culture. When I met him at a conference, he was an AP became a principal as we were working together. And by the time this airs, it'll be fine because the, the position will be official, but he's now an assistant superintendent. And so the sticky core values is just one thing he's taking action on, you know, regarding what I teach within the mastermind. But he does that time and time again. And you can see just from like a career trajectory, right? Like that it's, it's working for him. So that's exciting. 
That is super exciting. And I love when you can bring things that you experience as a learner in like something like a mastermind, right? A learner, culture, coaching context and bring it into yeah. your school and, and just have it, um, you know, help the school flourish. So I think there's, there's so much wisdom in that particular experience, but also just the larger idea of as we go and learn these things ourselves as leaders, there's so much potential to not only bring the ideas, but the activities as well back to our campuses and to do real, really great work. Yeah. Um, is there anything else around the concept of the mastermind, the book that you wanted to share before we move on to closing? You know, just the neat thing is that it's been going on forever, like hundreds of years, you know, and if you look at uh, Napoleon Hill's Think, Think and Grow Rich, like they talk about the mastermind, big time successful individuals that we'll all know, like Andrew Carnegie, part of a mastermind, Thomas Edison, yep, mastermind, even FDR had a mastermind as well. And so, uh, you know, just like all sorts of really successful people have, uh, yeah, gotten themselves together, you know, and organized in that way. And I'm just happy to bring it to education and, and who knows, you know, what might happen as a result. Awesome. Thank you so much. So one of the last questions I like to ask is as we kind of wrap up all of the ideas that you shared, all the stories that you shared all the action steps that you shared, what is something, if I'm listening to this podcast and I'm thinking, okay, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of things that I could do. What's one action step that I can take like tomorrow or in the next week, something that'll just get the ball rolling for me to start implementing some of the ideas you've been talking about. Yeah. I would just say, make a commitment to yourself, like write down an intention of how you're going to develop yourself in the next year, you know, and whether that is working with me or with you, right? Like, there's tons of people that can help, you know, and I'm not, I'm not stupid enough or egotistical enough to say you have to work with me. Uh, there's this idea in the infinite game by Simon Sinek, where you have this like just incredibly big vision that you can never actually accomplish and you need more than you to, to do it. So he calls it a just cause. My just cause is to connect, grow and mentor every school leader who wants to level up. So whether it's working with me or with Lindsay or with some other wonderful, you know, consultant or coach out there, make an intention to really develop yourself, you know, over the next year and, and uh, then go out and figure out like, what's that going to look like, you know? And I would say, you know, that doesn't work online. Okay. It needs to be with another human being, at least one as a coach or in a community like a mastermind, uh, because writing it down is one thing, saying it with peers that can encourage and challenge you is quite another, and then it's up to you to take action so you can actually uh, enjoy the fruit. That's such a great point. And I think about like just all of the innovation that's come out of me sharing an, uh, an issue or a challenge on the hot seat, right? You're, you're just inundated with a ton of great ideas that if you yeah. were just doing that on your own, right, you, you're in kind of a vacuum and you're not going to get all of that innovation. And even if the idea someone shares isn't the one you go with, often it will spark an idea that you end up going with, or you merge a couple ideas together. And so that idea of being in community with people who are supporting your dreams is, is huge. I'm just going to echo that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, and there's this, there's this, um, author, uh, who's since passed, you know, David Foster Wallace, and he, I forget what graduation he was given the commencement speech, but he was, he was talking about how there's one day these two fish, you know, swimming along 
and they come across an old older fish, right? And the older fish looks at the two young fish. And he says, morning, boys, how's the water, right? Which is funny because they're fish. So the older fish swims away. The two younger fish keep on going with their day. And uh, a few minutes later, like it's just them again. And uh, the one young fish turns to the other young fish and says, what the heck is water? Okay, that's why you need coaching. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter what kind of LeBron James is a coach, right? If you're a top musical performer, I guarantee Beyonce has some sort of coach, whether it's dance or voice or both. Like everybody can benefit from this. So just understand that you're in water. <laughs> That's a great example. I love that. Yeah. So I know at the top of the episode, I love the phrase that you used, a sponge that scales. You you described yourself as a, as a learner, <laughs> right? And so- yeah. I'm curious to know, I ask every guest, what is something that you have been personally learning about lately? Um, there's so much to keep it focused and short. I, I invested actually in, a, in the power of awareness um, course. It's on mindfulness. There's a, there's a two-year mindfulness training uh, that I'm looking to be a part of, and this is a prerequisite. Uh, I just realized, I think that actually people I work with would super benefit from that and probably maybe even like, you know, if I brought them, brought that into more of the experience. And so I'm going to do the hard work, you know, to, to make sure I'm able to offer that at a high level. That's amazing. And the last question, where can listeners learn more about you, connect with you, get the amazing book that you just are publishing and will yeah. be out by the time this airs. Thanks, Lindsay. Yeah. Betterleadersbetterschools.com. You know, that's the website, the podcast, uh, Alien Earbud is my handle on pretty much all social media. And the story there, it's Daniel Bauer. It's an anagram. I was a former English teacher. So just, you know, mix around the letters. And anyways, you can get an alien earbud. And I just like that image. Uh, and then for your, for your listeners as well, if they go to betterleadersbetterschools.com slash free chapter, and that's all one word, free chapter, uh, you could download uh, a free chapter from Mastermind, the book. And if you like it, cool, you know, there'll be opportunity to buy it. So it's kind of like taste it before, you know, devouring, but you, you'll want the whole meal. I guarantee that. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you so much for setting that up for our listeners. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. Pleasure, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening, amazing educators. If you loved this episode, you can share it on social media and tag me at Lindsay Beth Alliance or leave a review of the show so leaders like you will be more likely to find it. Until next time, leaders, continue to think big, act brave, and be your best self. Mm -hmm.